0: Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the God Cells Podcast. I'm Eric Marola, the director of the God Cells documentary. It has been a while since I've done a podcast. About three months ago, I released episode 16, and that podcast was the last American out of Ukraine. Uh, he was being treated while the bombs began falling when Russia imposed their full-scale invasion against Ukraine. Today's podcast is one of the first Americans back to Ukraine to receive uh, therapy. His name is Bobby. His son has a rare genetic disease called Pelasius mersbacher Halasius Mertzbacher. Very hard to pronounce. This is a rare genetic disorder affecting the central nervous system associated with abnormalities of the white matter of the brain and the spinal cord. I'd honestly never heard of this uh, uh, condition before. And frankly... This is the first time m has ever even treated this condition. So they did not even know how well this child would do because they had no experience with it. But as you will find out, this child did well enough for this uh, father to return multiple times for follow-up therapies. Um, Some of you might be wondering, um, I am working on a new documentary about this technology, fetal stem cells. And the new documentary is going to be called Ukraine Fetal Stem Cell Pioneers. And my target release date is April of 2023. That is of course, if I'm able to raise the required money to properly release it, Uh, it's like $60,000 I have to somehow raise for the final music and publicity and all of that stuff. Um, If I'm not able to do it, you guys are gonna see it a whole lot sooner on YouTube for free. But either way, this documentary, my new documentary, will be released for free on YouTube. Um, It's very difficult to get Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of the big distribution channels anymore to uh, distribute independent documentaries. They just won't do it anymore. Not really. Not unless you do something about UFOs or something. But because of the controversial nature of this subject, especially with like Roe v. Wade overturned, like it's just no one will touch this subject. So free on YouTube it will be. But the end goal would be to hope that you know the New York Times, Variety, The Guardian, whomever, will at least review it, even though it's not going to have really much of a commercial release. But honestly, I kind of like having the freedom of just putting my stuff on YouTube anyway. But before I do that, I'm going to be making one more trip to Ukraine with my co-producer and wife and some people from the documentary that people will meet in the documentary for one uh, more trip there for my own therapy and uh, to get a kind of an update on what's going on there. The movie will likely be left open-ended because we don't know the fate of Ukraine. But anyhow, you'll learn a lot about that in today's discussion with Bobby. Um, if you're willing to listen to the whole hour or so of the conversation, we get into some really interesting stuff beyond just his therapy. But, you know, he stayed at the Intercontinental Hotel where all of the mainstream media is staying, where they're all reporting from Kiev. He tried to get the German press to cover M-Cell. They said, oh, no, no, too hot of a potato there. We're not covering that. So it's some really interesting stuff. And Bobby's a really interesting character. I really enjoy talking to him. As always, if you have any questions about what I do or this, therapy or anything at all related to my documentaries, I love answering emails. Email me at eric at com. That's E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C M-E-R-O-L-A dot com. That is how I met Bobby because he emailed me. Also, if you want to keep track of uh, my documentary work related to M-Cell and stem cells, visit stemcellsmovie.com and subscribe to the mailing list. I send an email out maybe once every month, once every two months. I'm not one of those people that send emails all the time. Or if you want to just check out what I do generally, you can visit ericmarola.com. I really hope you enjoy today's podcast of episode 17 with Bobby discussing his son's treatment at m
1: Eric. Hey Bobby. All good? All good. Well, it, it's like a strange here. Like it, it, it's aren't you the one that you know again, I, I, I'm going by memory which is spotty at best, but you know, I think a couple maybe say for me, 2 to 3 years ago, my wife somehow stumbled across uh a like a Netflix or something called the The God Sale.
0: Yep, i I did that movie, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, so so anyway, it, that that movie was instrumental in in us becoming aware, basically of M and it, it uh, you know it just it was such a profound kind of a, a wonderful film, right? Just of, you know this just kind of disparate people. I, I remember there was something in there about a, a guy that had been in a motorcycle accident or something from California. Just lots of different people that had different stuff that there were just no answers to, and uh, you know M was like this, uh, you know, just a, such a unique. Sort of a call it a place on the planet that uh that offered treatment that no one else you know even remotely has any uh you know access to, to providing and uh like I said it was just something there special about that that because I remember there was like a doctor in there that had had another patient that had you know like files and files have been there like 20 or something a year, 20 30 years and it old timer that really didn't believe in that kind of technology call it and uh but had to believe in the patient that they had he had taken care of some kind of blood disease or something that for 20 or 30 years but they, they didn't cure it right and so when you see those testimonies and how real they are um you know it just kind of helps you through the fear factor where these unknown things looking at some kind of technology that you've only kind of read about with you know gene therapies or whatever you just kind of uh You know you're you're just a little bit in doubt and 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 afraid and and like i said stuff like that that was firsthand testimony was what was the entryway for for me and my wife to take our son which we knew had a very unique disease that had probably never been treated by this uh eric um to to go there and to give this appeal and try it out
0: yeah so i don 't know if you 're aware, but like you know, i 've been making these documentaries for more than ten years, and most of them about 've been about medicine. but I started the journey making the God cells uh, overlapping another movie I was working on back in t- two thousand and fourteen and one of the things that really <clears throat> kept me sticking with the subject was realizing that I think i 'm to my knowledge the only documentary filmmaker who has ever even touched this subject matter. And, um, so which, you know, which it's like, I don't know, like I did the down the God cells and then the clinic opened up a new clinic and started offering all these new therapies. And then I kind of became a lightning rod for people that watched the God cells like yourself who reached out to me and I just was in a perfect position to make another one. Um, you know, and so, yeah, so I'm just, I haven't put it down yet. <laughs> so well, it's a good you know,
1: thing that these, are, well, you know, to me, good things just kind of have their own sort of. You know, like truth like water kind of seeks its own level and gravitation you don't even know where the tire hits the pavement but somehow these things come full circle and and there's like a momentum that builds from it and everything so to me again you know our, our son I, I don't know but he's got what they what's called palatius mersbacher disease mm-hmm. and it's it's just a very rare sort of a genetic anomaly um which is a form of leukodystrophy where the the white matter and the, and the brain does not form Really, the myelin that goes over the nerves that kind of sends signals from the brain to the body um just does not uh, never really forms mm-hmm. and uh but anyway so it was it was a long path for me and my wife even to figure it out but we knew well, we adopted our son um from a young lady in romania when when uh you know he was from birth basically uh, we had tried to have a baby that's maybe way too much long of a story, but anyway, I guess I'll give you the whole bucket list here of <laughs> all of our uh, um, storyline. But, sure. uh, but you know, we early on in our marriage, my wife and I have been married for like 22 years. In the first four or five years of our uh, um, marriage, we uh, ended up having a couple of miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies, Shelved having a baby for pretty much the better part of the next 10, 15 years. Then about five or six years ago, my wife had some gallbladder surgery and um, then and she's coming out from under the anesthesia. Um, she, i, I kind of stumbled into the nurse and her talk in the room. She was kind of being tearful, having tears and going like, you know, I think life passed me by. Uh, I need to have a child, uh, you know, my purpose in life type of stuff. And then we spent about six by, five this time I'm like, mid fifties. My wife is, um, you know, mid forties. And and it was like, maybe, and she had one too from having an ectopic pregnancy. So we, you know, we've spent about a year trying to have a baby. It didn't work. Then we went into the adoption process in America, which was kind of a daunting uh, thing with just a lot of the, it's almost like a, you know, like match.com where they put profiles out there and, you know, then people pick each other and select it. But anyway, it's a kind of thing there, but we ended up going to Romania stumbled into a very unconventional way of uh, adopting a baby where before someone was even entered into a clinic over there. Um, as far as the adoption clinics, we met the parents, and uh, they met us. We fell in love with each other immediately. And then literally within a month, this this young 16-year-old girl that was about five and a half months pregnant um, flew home with us back to the united states lived with us in alabama had her baby in birmingham we flew her parents over during the final couple weeks when it was imminent that she was having the baby and then we all stayed together had the baby and then you know they flew home and but anyway and shortly after we found out that uh, that uh, oliver our son had a very rare disease called palatius merzbacher um which there's no cure for um, and there's really just, it's like one in 500,000, uh, Wait. children. That probably only a couple, a couple thousand on the planet that have this disease, she's a carrier of this, probably I still stay in contact with her. It's just a long story. They, I won't digress with that, but, uh, but she still lives in the, she lives in, uh, in uh, Bucharest and this bright young girl going to college doing good stuff and i kind of keep up with her about yearly just on updating and stuff and have let her know that she's likely a carrier for this disease mm-hmm. um so that before she has a family of her own that she might want to get tested and just see how this is gonna you know how how it might be meaningful for her life just to be aware of this kind of stuff but but anyway Again, going back to the original story here, my my wife stumbled across because she searches a lot of stuff on the Internet and saw your movie on the M-cell, and it just, um, something about it just resonated as a uh, a potential sort of an ideal that was available on the planet as far as technology um, for stem cell treatment that might really be helpful to our son. Mm -hmm. Wow. And and so (laughs) we went over there for the first time. Believe it or not, I think the first time we went trying to remember but i think because it's been the, the, the two years ago was just this this year so we want every six months to get this treatment so I, it must have been september of 2020 was our first trip over there and i'm sure so, both of us are sort of adventurers again been into romania my wife lives there. so we decided and this is right during covid too if you can imagine yeah, so yeah. covid hit march basically of 2020 and so uh you know it was like full rain where you couldn't even past borders and fly in and out so there was a lot of stuff not allowing people to fly this that and the other so we opted to uh to fly into romania rent a car and then drive across through moldova and then into basically into ukraine and to get this treatment and it was a pretty harrowing adventure there because getting across borders within 24 hours of having your shot registrations or your test your the if the kind of test they gave you for the COVID test, yeah, PCR, PCR test. testing, yeah. So anyway, so we barely made that stuff and, and had harrowing trips in there, but it was an adventure after it was all said and done. And 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 frankly, you know, we couldn't tell. We our first treatment in there, you know, seemed like a a good thing and, and I got to be honest we, we went in there very trepidatious you know going like I was and I can't say my wife was but I was very trepidatious going like hey even if I get there to the moment that we're ready to do this even after all the effort to fly into Europe and drive into Ukraine if I if it doesn't feel like to me you know I'm I'm, I'm willing to walk away from this you know and I, and I was mm-hmm. but uh, but everything was so comfortable the people are so uh, accommodating um, the fact that they're the the cleanliness of this uh this therapy I, I guess the unique flavor of the therapy that's offered by mcel is that this stuff you know th- w- w- where other stuff th- that i understand um eric on the on the planet that they have that has other temp- uh, other therapies like this um there's like rejection drugs that go along with it. You know what I mean? Because you get these things that are either manufactured by man, stem cells or stem cells that are older, that have kind of rejection things that the body just has a difficulty with. So kind of, you're almost, it's almost like taking some of these pharmaceuticals that they've got in the United States nowadays. You give it and there's 12 side effects and all this stuff, but there's, there's literally no side effects from the stuff that has come from the M cell um, with our son. And it, it's been a beauty just to have something so clean, so natural. And, and like I said, the first treatment, sometimes you're so close to something that it's difficult to tell how, how did it really help? I mean, is there just like a black and white sort of things you can take off the table that you say, this is how our son was better. And, uh, and we weren't able to, but we, we trusted with the testimonies and everything that we saw there and uh and and so the first treatment i can't say i walked away with a whole lot of like hey this was profound difference and it was just like you know jesus walking on water or something it wasn't that big but um but at the end of the day by the time we went for our second treatment which i guess would have been march of 2021 um our son his disease is is very peculiar um there are different levels to it Uh, there's what they call like canadal and there's another one that's called I forget, uh, but uh, but there's two different levels of them. One's worse than the other, and my son is kind of like in the middle one, not not, not the worst. Um, so he's pretty well, but he can't talk, um, he can't walk. Typically, they have very short lifespans with this disease. I mean, there are there are some. There's a small percentage that live in their you know 20s, 30s, 40s, and stuff like this. But that's the exception rather than the norm. Um, eventually, the white cells. Um, or the the basically the myelin that's in the brain that sends signals, you know, uh, just does not send signals like to even to breathe, and then your child will just stop breathing. And there, lot, lots of times, they're open to all kinds of uh, like immune deficiency kind of disorders where they just don't fight diseases, and they got a lot of respiratory issues and things like this. And again, thanks, we we are certain that our son now that he's had the fourth treatment just this past last month he got the forced treatment from us with us driving into the ukraine you know under the under the format of war going on there mm-hmm. but um and we're just seeing it but basically after that second treatment that came um I, I, like i said march of 2021 my my son doesn't have uh gross or even any gross or fine motor skills with his arms whatsoever he can just kind of he can flail with them and stuff like that do like a modified army crawl things like this but he could never like punch a keyboard or lift his hand up to do stuff barely kind of he can barely lift up and push an elevator button with with help um so they for him to be able to communicate and go to school and be functional and stuff like this they were kind of um at, at a loss for how, because they've got these, what they call augmentative communication devices that are available, but you have to do one of two ways. Either you have to use your fingers and kind of touch a template. And if it's like, even if it's something as simple as red and, and green, where are you hungry? Or are you thirsty or whatever? And then he reaches his hand up and touches the green or the red, he would have such limited control that he couldn't even hit the screen to go red. He might be shooting to hit the red if he didn't want it, but he might accidentally hit the green. So that technology didn't work. And they had another one, um, that's within the same technology, if you will, but it was called eye gaze. And basically it's able to, um, with this certain kind of equipment, um, it's called a Toby, but this, uh, this interactive, uh, Communication device is able to lock on his eyesight, and then he's able to look at a screen and then he could look at the red or the and, and communicate through it. But one of the um, symptomologies, or whatever you want to call it, for my son's disease was nystagmus, which is sort of like a rapid eye movement. The eyes would just move back and forth so rapidly that he's, he wasn't able to focus on anything. So basically, all of the doctors and the people we see were at a loss going like well there's just nothing available out there that's going to allow him to communicate um but anyway one of the more profound um call it effects or or helps that we got from the stem cell therapy the second one we got there it was almost immediately after his uh his second therapy literally within hours um that his eyes probably stopped moving by like 80 percent so where if they were moving uh you know 100 percent of the time and pretty rapidly um 80 of the time they stopped moving and uh and we noticed that immediately and that kind of call it that blessing in and of itself um from the therapy or from the stem cell therapy that he got um opened the doors to this new device which we are just now starting to kind of implement and use but it's going to open up a whole new world to him as far as an ability to communicate once he adapts and identifies that this thing kind of is, is able for him to communicate with. But the, we, were, we were able to use this eye gauge technology, which we're now using. And that was as a result of the second uh, treatment we got at himself.
0: Wow. So how old is your son now?
1: Um, he's five and a half.
0: Okay. And, and so the 80% decrease of the rapid eye movement, is that remained ever since? yes that's great I and mean,
1: it kind of there was a little bit that put was in just being a complete honesty you know there was a probably you know maybe yeah, over because like, that's again with this therapy i think there's almost like a there's a constant improvement, but then there may be like a little bit lessening. If you go past the six-month window where we went, you know, you could just see just a little bit. Call it maybe like 10% coming back. So even though it was an 80% improved, maybe after like six, seven months, all of a sudden you look and say, "Hey, it's looking like there is now maybe 70% versus what it was." So. Um, when we got the third one, it kind of went back again and go, Hey, this is now about 80, 90%, um, kind of fixed. And it was a, you know, like I said, it was kind of progressive, um, improvements there, but a little bit of digression over time. So there's a little back and forth that goes there. But, uh, anyway, that's why here, like I said, this latest trip over there because of the war in the Ukraine, um, the facility had been closed and, uh, you know, we were, you know, he was, he was supposed to have his third treatment in March of this year, which coincided with his spring break here at school. And uh, anyway, we were trying to ride over there and do some different stuff to see if, you know, what might they open? Because once, the, you know, we, we kind of got excited that once they surrounded Kiev and then left that maybe the you know the western and the central part of the country might have a little bit of freedom to do some stuff and and open back up a little bit and you know who knows what where the war is going with with putin and all this stuff like i said i've gotten a couple friends over there that you meet at the hotels or with the drivers with himself that you, you know I don't know, you just have heartfelt connections with these people when you spend time with them, yeah. where you where you want to help, right? You yeah. say, hey, can, you, can I get you a visa to America or whatever? You come up with all kinds of wild ideas that you can uh, um, try to try to be supportive of people that are helping so fundamentally our, our child. Sure. Um, but anyway, we did just go. As far as the, the latest trip, we, we, we just uh, since spent a trip where – we call it like almost provisional faith. We flew over uh, like the day he got out of school in in late because we were kind of under a budget, if you will almost, but uh, it was something where frequent fire miles got us over leaving the day he got out of school on, uh, I guess it was May 26th and then stayed as long as we could because we had some extended family in uh that lives in germany Mm -hmm. my wife is from romania and she's got an older sister that lives in germany that has three children and we've been married for like 22 years right now so basically over the 22 years her three children that are say one of his birthdays today by the way but anyway uh the the, uh the 32 year old boy uh, today we pretty much kind of raised him in a lot of ways he he flew over to america when he was 13 and 14 probably been here 10 times and and anyway but we flew over to spend some time with the family and then left what i call an open door saying that you know with a little bit of grace you know is going to open up and we will find a way into the country and you know we'll get this therapy because we in, in all honesty because we could take from march through june we could see some uh, some very real kind of digressions in our son's behavior. He was like having uh, his his muscle, and there's just a lot that goes on, I guess, with the way that the brain is able to communicate with the body with breathing and the muscles and digestion and even sleep and things like this, that that if he doesn't have this therapy, um, you know, you you, you sometimes take things for granted because he had three therapies over 18 months and then we were supposed to have the fourth, fourth therapy in March of this year. But then all of a sudden comes March, we can't go because of the war, then April, then May. And and then, you know, s- since we spend such an intimate time with him, I was just noticing his muscles being much more rigid. He was waking up in pain at nighttime because his muscles are so rigid and contracting. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his attitude and his behavior seemed to be even diminishing to where he was just... Uh, You know just maybe because the pain you know it's just something that was involved with the pain and his eyes were kind of starting to move a little bit more not you know greatly but just a little bit you could see a little digression and so we were just highly intent on finding a way sure cell yeah, again so
0: before you jump into that part of the story i'm going to jump in real quick and, and 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 talk about what you're talking about um first of all let me back up to uh you told you told me about the eyes but you were saying that his ability to move his arms and focus and touch something was not a thing possible until he had the therapy at least twice is that correct
1: correct well it, yes Okay. Yes. I mean, it was directly related to the, the the stem cells helped him in fundamental ways. One with the eye movement, and then what they call it—so I think, I think they call it spasticity, lack of control of your motor functions with your arms and stuff. But uh, basically, increasingly from his second and third treatments on this stuff, it just gave a nothing profound, but very noticeable um, better control of his. Um, his motor functions, able to kind of move his arms, uh, swallowing, that was another thing that was uh, that we noticed that digress versus um, like when that third treatment to going to the fourth one was missing, um, he was having a hard time swallowing. And a lot of children with my son's disease, let's just say, I would say well over half of them, um, have food tubes uh, that, that are put into them. And understandably, they, they, they're finicky children, they don't eat much, even their digestive systems are affected a little bit. Thanks, we believe, in large part to M cell and the the stem cell therapy he receives there, our son is on no medications whatsoever, nothing for pain, nothing for sleep, um, nothing for eating, you know, uh, and so it's just basically, and and for tubes for eating, he's able still to kind of, he's still a very low weight compared to normal children. But, uh, but his eating was digressing and uh, his, his ability to swallow was even affected. And so we were seeing that, Galinet, how much longer, if time goes by without this treatment, how quickly these things start digressing. And so that was another sense of urgency we were wanting to get over there because all of these functions were, were noticeably declining. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Let me, um, I'm going to jump in again <clears throat> because uh, I just, because I'm as a journalist following this, I tend to... I don't know, have a better way of helping explain sort of the mechanism of why you're seeing what you're seeing, you know, versus they, the doctors there because they're so close to it. But because uh, Palazios-Mersbacher is a, a genetic disorder, uh, it's like it's in the genes uh, that cannot really be repaired uh, unless the gene itself is repaired, which is, I don't think modern technology, we are there yet to do such a thing. And be, and also because it affects the central nervous system. Um, the reason why this therapy specifically is so helpful is because it's the only stem cell type known to humans, where you are actually receiving fetal neuronal cells and and cells related to the central nervous system, and like no other stem cell type, like blood cells, umbilical cord cells, there, it simply doesn't exist. The neuronal cells. Um. So so and all they are able to do uh, after each therapy is regenerate. So you know it's this disease that your child has is a degenerative neuronal. Uh, dis- disorder or disease. And the and the neuronal cells that he's receiving is fighting against that, you know? And so that's why it, you're seeing like in the first one, you didn't see as much, but maybe enough to want to go back. And then uh, the second one, you saw a bigger improvement. And the reason that is, is because each therapy builds upon the last one, where the cells are still alive and trying their best to regenerate from the first therapy when the second therapy is administered. And so then when you gave them the third therapy, that is building on the first and the second. So and what it's basically, what what these cells are trying to do is fight against this degenerative nature of this particular disorder or disease. So anyway, I'm this very exciting because um, to my knowledge, I mean, if they told you that they're, this is the first patient with this uh, diagnosis they've ever treated. Did they tell you that? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I'm going to confirm this too, but anyway, um, And yeah, so like even when you talk about some of those stem cell therapies that require immune suppressants, even those uh, do not contain the neuronal stem cells that your child is receiving. So it's just so remarkable. And also it's very similar to, I'm just going to jump in. Um, This child was in the God cells briefly, but as as a little girl with muscular dystrophy, which again is another just genetic disorder. And as you said, this is a kind of form of dystrophy in some, you know, in the family, if you would. But different, this is more focused on the nervous system and muscular dystrophy is more kind of focused on the muscles and per the name. So, but this child I've uh, followed intently for the new documentary and I started, she started receiving this therapy at four years old and received it virtually every year and she's now 14 and, um, she, and and every other child her age who is alive is on a feeding tube and a respirator in a wheelchair. And this child, I'm not saying this is going to be the case with yours, but it's remarkable because they, the family stuck with it, did it every year, and will continue to do so. Um, and the child is, you know, with the exception of some gait problems, is, is basically a normal child. So I don't want to get off too far off track. But, um, no, just, no, but
1: there are yeah. similarities with what you're saying there, and I'll, I'll, I'll feather into it maybe leading forward to where we can tell our son is, is, is receiving the same benefit just in a two year window, right? Let right. alone 10, you know, and how profound that might be allowances that might come along with that is, but there, there are stuff that we, we measured on our way out. Cause like I said, there was a doctor that I saw on the way home from our treatment that we're we're getting our son in line with some of this newfangled therapy where it's not, it's almost like gene editing or something that they're doing with the gen, on a genetic level that is allowing maybe to stop the advancement of this disease but it's it's very rare and emerging but yeah. basically our son is going to be allowed to be in a part of this study um, by meeting with a doctor in amsterdam oh. um, as a result of this uh, stem cell because it is basically uh you know almost like a stay of execution sounds like the wrong words but but it basically has curbed the digressive nature of the the degenerative disease that it's got with the nerves such that he is you know they're only saying that babies that are two and three and four up to five were able to be eligible for this study that they're starting in september of this year but when they measured oliver on the way back out of europe last month They looked at basically some digestive stuff. I'm sending them some MRIs today from when he was one and two, so they can kind of map this stuff out. But we're probably flying back over to Amsterdam in September to have another MRI, but to be a part of the study that he otherwise would not be allowed because they had kind of capped it off at the age of five. But they said because of what they saw in him, that it was kind of profound that he did not have these digressive uh, characteristics such that they were going to allow him to be a part of the study. So it was just a very, that, a, a, a very a big
0: blessing for us. Wow, that is super exciting. And as I mentioned a minute ago about it, the technology not being there yet, and now you have found a study in Amsterdam where they're going to try to fix this uh, genetic malfunction. Well, they, don't, they, don't
1: actually, yeah, they don't actually fix it, there, but I think what they do is they they curb it from getting worse. From okay. like, I guess these nerves, they have a way of just die, de- degenerating the nerves right like what uh, are available. And this is going to actually field mice. they've already done it, but they've now, and it's been kind of held up a little bit because of the COVID stuff and money. But, uh, but it is. They, like I said, this M-cell stuff has has been fundamentally, um, whatever the reason why our son is now going to be a part of this study here is because he, there were certain sleep stuff, digestive stuff. Um, and some, I forget, there was a couple other little criteria that the, that the doctor had. And I, and I'm, like I said, I just got the MRIs yesterday in the mail so I can send them to, uh, to the lady in Amsterdam, um, to, uh, to kind of fill her database
0: so we can fly over there and be a part of this study come September, October. That is so exciting. I'm so glad we connected, um, you know, because I just never get tired of hearing these stories. And honestly, Bobby, this is why I keep doing this because um, it's just these stories um, and how it's affecting people's lives um, is just why it makes it all worthwhile. Anyway, wow. Thank you for sharing all of that.
1: No, no, yeah. it's, it's to me, like I said, going back to where you even said this neural basis, you know, this stuff, you know, because we've done as much research as we can too, just thinking because... We were, I don't want to call it desperate, but, you know, just knowing that what could happen because of, you know, call it Putin and Russia and this uh, the, the conflict and the war that's going on in the Ukraine, that if, if these, if the doors were closed forever or something like that, you know, I mean, we're sort of, you know, all in like a poker move on this with these guys such that we know there's nothing else. I've reached out to everything and these things in Panama and China and India and, supposedly things that suggest similar um kind of therapies but but there's nothing that's that's in that fetal stem cell that kind of passes the blood-brain barriers and whatnot and and that this is the unique placement on the entire planet that offers this therapy and for something to happen to it is just uh you know in our our, whatever we're very wedded to it but it it would be catastrophic
0: yep it would you can imagine like when February, I was really close to getting the, f- the new film kind of almost done really in February 24th hit and it was just uh, like a sledgehammer. I mean, I, I it took me like a month before I could even look at the documentary again because it was just too devastating and sad to even look at it. Um, so, I mean, I'm not even in your situation where you're, you know, dependent upon it because of your child. Yeah, I mean, we're all sort of in this together. And But it's also impressive that you've figured this out because I can't tell you how many people haven't done the due diligence and they somehow haven't been able to grasp that Ukraine is the only country on Earth where this is legal and regulated and MCell is the only entity on earth that this is happening it's i think it's so difficult for people to really wrap their head around that they just can't believe that that's a reality but it 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 is it just simply is um which makes this yeah
1: my good friends are in the same disbelief. And they, these are people that are scientists and engineers at yeah. my and stuff like that. They're for a living, stuff like that. But uh, they're going like, well, I found this place in, in, in Florida and in so-and-so. And I you was know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you know, it, it's like, oh, it's it's exactly the same. And I'm no. like, no, no it, it's it's not. It, you know yeah. remotely similar, but they're, they're
0: really abundant. They're not even remotely similar. I mean, the name Stem Cell is in the title, but that's it. I mean, they're not getting what your son is getting at all. Not even close. And also, too, like I have um, one of the reasons I'm able to make these movies is just been able to get, like, say, wealthy people to help. You know, back me because there's no money in these. But what what comes with when making these things, <laughs> you know, so it's sort of a labor of love. But my point is, is that some of these wealthy people have really big connections, and some of those connections are diplomatic. And uh, there, ha- what I'm trying to say is, there has been a concerted effort to try to get this legalized in other parts of the world, like in the Caribbean and other parts of the world that aren't necessarily on American or European soil. And it's it's impossible. Like no one will budge on this uh, because of the controversy around it and uh, the potential clash with the industry overall because, you know, of just how, what a threat this thing is for the industry, which is a whole other conversation, really, But which I try not to harp on. But but yeah, I mean, right now, you know, the Ukraine is it until somebody... Well,
1: seen, this is like can adjunct to your... Um, exactly what you're speaking towards right there, you know. When I was over there, again, it was a pretty grueling trip going over there last month, uh, you know, crossing borders and the gas supplies. And I, I can kind of give you more detailed kind of a version of how we got in and out of there sure. and whatnot. But um, we stay at the uh, Intercontinental Hotel. I don't know where you stay when you're in there, but I we always stay because I've got frequent flyer points because I travel for my living. And I, so I just had like a million points stashed away. And I'm going, like, God bless. But we've always stayed at the Intercontinental Hotel, which yep. is downtown Keith. Yeah. Very nice. You know, top floor. He, totally. Highest buildings building down there and uh, basically, when I'm seeing the stuff with the war, and you're seeing CNN and Fox and all these different people doing their uh, newscast, they were from the top of the Intercontinental Hotel. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, we, we stay there. You can look out the window and even see some of the smoke when they were doing stuff from a distance and going, how I looked out that same window and whatnot. But it was interesting when I was there um, just last month, Eric, they, everybody was there. I mean, they had, like I said, it was CNN, Fox, Canada news, Australia news, uh, German news. But it's, based, and that's where all the diplomats come through because of the stuff that was going on over in, uh, you know they're doing a lot of documentaries out of the atrocities that happened in busha yeah. um, and they had i think right when i was in there they had these diplomats who were whoever the head of magove is but they came in there during the same little three-day window i was there and you know you've got you know like massive security going in there around the hotel they've got their bomb dogs and plates and you know mirrors up under the cars and everything and I, i'm blessed they even let me stay in the hotel with all the people that were coming through there but it was interesting because when I was there I was only there for like three days but like uh, getting the treatment but during that time I thought that maybe it would be a uh, you know who hey, faith had it or the universe was you know conspired to kind of open the door in this direction that hey maybe one of these news outlets would be interested in hearing something about the M cell and maybe it would be a promotional value on some level or whatnot and I ended up bumping into people in elevators because the entire hotel is probably 80% media diplomacy and whatnot. And it was strange that I think I, I bumped into somebody that was out of the German news or something like this. And they were, uh, they kind of pulled me aside cause I didn't speak, uh, German. So it was just something they said they, cause they were highly interested in doing something. Um, but, but anyway, for what it was worth, they, they, uh, the word came back around through someone with CNN or something like that, that the M cell was a kind of a hot potato yep. that, uh, <laughs> that media did not want to, uh, just didn't wanna kind of cross that, uh, open that
0: door. Yep, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that welcome to my world and because of where the cells come from and because everyone is so scared of angering basically 50% of their audience, no one will touch this subject. So like even my like biggest supporters, I mean, back when my earlier documentaries, like with my Brzezinski documentary and before I touched The God Cells, I had, you know, the famous Dr. Joseph Mercola and even Tony Robbins and Russell Brand and all of these, um, you know, other people that would support me on Twitter and to promote my movies they won't touch this subject. (laughs) It's not funny. But, uh, yeah, no, so, but I think...
1: It is a moral hot hmm. potato. If you either for it or against it, so if you can, if you even come close to that threshold, do not want to be affiliated, so it's like, okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, and also, like, I'm always surprised, like, even with the God cells, I was surprised that um, some of the mainstream uh, newspapers even reviewed it, even though a lot of them gave it a bad review because I think they they're like, if we're going to review this, we're going to make a bad review out of it, you know, but the fact that they even watched it and reviewed it at all. Um, but yeah, like they don't care. I don't mean to like poo-poo all over but they don't, they ignore the fact, like say this kid with muscular dystrophy is an anomaly first time in human history. They ignore the fact that people with Parkinson's are having remissions and people with MS are having remissions and kids with autism who've never spoken in their lives are talking. Um, they ignore all that and they focus on the abortion part of it. Uh, you know, it's just, it's fascinating. You
1: know, it's a classic uh, yeah. example of throwing the baby out with the bathwater you don't even give it, I'm not even going to give this a, all of these positive you know almost miraculous kind of connections that come through this, I, I just cannot consider any of them because I've got the, you know whatever, this priority that says this is bad, so therefore nothing good can come from it,
0: right? Yeah, and the same goes, again, like uh, going back to uh, people that think this is being done elsewhere. And what happens is when you approach governments with this, even though you have, we have, they have all the data And they have what's called a good manufacturing practices laboratory. And even though they will say, look, we do not need to extract the cells in your country. We just want to be able to legally import them and legally give them to patients. We will do all of the other work back in Ukraine uh, to obtain the cells. And once they get up high enough, you're dealing with politicians at that point, And they realize, the politicians and everybody around them realize, if we do this, regardless of how good it is for humanity, we will be destroyed in the polls. We will be destroyed uh, by 50% of our constituents. So they just back away every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I, 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 I joke with my friends, because even when I have to tell people around here, I'm from Alabama, so we're kind of like the belly button of the Bible Belt, right? Right, now. right, yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, politics to me planetary wise it's like the new religion man it's just like where everybody is just so polarized that like i said these these items like this that are just so profoundly allowing on on these levels that we're speaking to as far as these rare diseases and the ability of this particular protocol of stem cell being the only one on the planet to um that's developed in a in a way that truly addresses the cause of these things and, and has these just fundamental abilities to either curative and or, you know, like, like I don't want to call it palliative, but what, whatever they call it, where it just allows for my son right now to sustain his life um, until while these other treatments are emerging such that, that they are going to be helpful for. I mean, it just got such a, uh, I don't know, so many profound opportunities here that, that I'm, a, I'm an advocate. or more, you know, I I couldn't be more supportive if I
0: could. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you and I are on the same page. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna jump ahead if you don't mind, because a lot of people that are gonna hear our conversation are gonna be people that are considering making this trip. And even though I think most people will be flying into Warsaw and taking a train, which is how we're gonna do it when we go um sometime this year. But I'm just I would love to sort of hear your even if it's a daunting story, just sort of like the short version or just however you wanna tell it, how you got in there. You already kind of told me what it was like being there. You were at the Intercontinental and where the all the news hub was. But I'd be curious to have you also jump into kind of your overall feeling about being in in Kiev, Ukraine, while this is happening. Just sort of give me like the lowdown of what the, the journey was like.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was actually, you know, number one, just as far as, a, like, little little favorite, little backdrops, so, because I am like bucket list stuff, I love traveling the world everywhere, you know, from India to South America to China, anywhere else you can be, and just kind of have, a, like, a bucket list thing, but I had never, you know, I've been to Europe probably, say, 20 times in the last 20 years, um, but, uh, but I'd never been to Warsaw. And this, this kind of the door opened up. We were notified by Mcel. And like I said, it was kind of open ended and quick. I had a rental car that I'd gotten out of uh, Frankfurt where we flew into, but I didn't, uh, you know, like I said, the door was just kind of cracked with a provisional faith and hope that they're gonna call us or they'll open up and certain enough they did. And then we went, let's just drop everything and go. And then uh, as a uh, footprint, as it was, when I looked at the map from where we were kind of outside Frankfurt, the best way for me to get there the way i mapped it out was probably about 11 hour drive to get to warsaw and then probably about another 11 12 hours to go from warsaw into kiev so you and, uh, you took of... the
0: train from warsaw or did you drive and no no i drove I okay drove. wow
1: i just i had a little rental car from a uh, little uh, rental car from from frankfurt that i'd gotten
0: Can I, so i'm gonna I, stop you right I there because I, I, I thought about starting to interrupt you but i thought about this um so how was like car insurance like when you're renting a car and you're like i'm taking it to ukraine or did you even tell them
1: with. at the time i did not you know nothing ever came of it i gotta be honest so it all turned out <laughs> like a black, I, I, yeah i gotta say i had my uh my reservations and my doubts because when i went there they do ask you where you're going to and i believe that i went to the french open i went there for a couple of days i'm a a tennis buff so when i first got there on like the 27th of may the french opens going on so while my wife and child were kind of hanging out with the family there for 24 48 hours i took off to paris went to two days the french open then i came back then we went to a little symposium that was in uh that we kind because of, we were just filling up stuff to do while we were in Europe, not knowing that the M-cell would open up, hoping it was, but not knowing that. Found out there during that little three-day weekend on the first day, hey, they opened up, so we went home back to Frankfurt, and then we devised a way to say, here's how you map it out. And we mapped it out that the best way to go there was probably to drive to Warsaw, spend a night, get a good night's sleep, get up early in the morning, because they have curfews mm-hmm. down there where some of the towns, I think, you know, maybe 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, they, 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 I think they enforced them pretty heavily but they do lock down on that stuff and so with number one hearing that there are difficulties getting either gas or diesel, they are very limited and when you do find the lines, they're long so I was like, okay, how, how do you map this out and just try to cover as many bases as you can but hey fly into warsaw spend a night get a good night's sleep wake up get out of there at 6 a.m and then even not knowing how long it might take you to get across the border um you know what if it takes me two or three or four hours and then this that and the other i didn't want to be caught kind of halfway between called lviv and kiev in some kind of unknown town or off on the roads where all of a sudden curfew is called you're sitting there in the car right so we tried to map it out as best possible but anyway i I love warsaw is what i'm saying we i also stayed at the intercontinental in warsaw which is very inexpensive right downtown it's about um this, this should be a good thing for your for your people that are going there you maybe want to stay and rest for a day or two in uh in in warsaw but they have like the second largest mall in the world that's only about less than a block away from the intercontinental which is like in, for Poland, I guess maybe it's expensive, but for an American, you know, it's it was not even, you know, I don't even know. I use points, but it was like less than I could stay at a Holiday Inn Express in Birmingham for me to stay at the Intercontinental um, in Warsaw. and they mm-hmm. got a pool on the 50th floor and overlooks the whole city and everything, so it's a perfect location. And like I said, a super mall that you would not – we don't even have a mall that fancy, um, Eric, in all of the United States. Yeah, yeah, yes. also I'll see,
0: I have been to Warsaw and Krakow many times because I have uh, my wife is originally from Poland so I spent a lot of time oh, okay. there. Okay. yeah yeah but my point is too is that the dollar is so strong right now that uh, against the Polish uh, Swata I can never pronounce it properly but anyway yeah that also helped you a lot you
1: know so anyway we mapped it out spend the night there get an early start get across there luckily talking to the people at MCell, they were very helpful because they sent me a little checkpoint crossing the uh, the border down there I guess in, in sort of south uh, east poland there was like a little checkpoint i just plugged it into my car and or to my phone and and headed off right um and uh we left early in the morning made sure we were gassed up as soon as i got close to the border because there's not a whole lot of you know gas is freaking eight dollars in uh, like 50 cents a gallon in europe right with this crisis and it's probably not going to get better anytime soon so you know it, it, it's not like it's cheap but uh it, it, but anyway it's, it's it's a something to, to, to uh to be aware of, if you will, European gas cost a lot of money. But going into Warsaw and and and, and, and are you doing the one way train? So that's another thing I did at the last minute because I didn't want to drive in there. I got to be honest, I didn't want to drive in there because it just seemed daunting, like you said, with the insurance. When I first got there, went in the car, they said where you're going. I said, hey, I'm going to Amsterdam. I'm going to probably go to Paris and watch some tennis. Getting really hadn't locked and loaded with uh, with going to MSL and into the Ukraine. So I didn't divulge that. But in all honesty. I probably wouldn't have, even if I would have, because I just thought maybe they would have not rented me the car, or maybe they would have, uh, I don't know, had some other legal reason for why, you know, I just wasn't allowed to do so, right? Kept, kept it
0: Yeah, no, I was thinking that was honestly very smart. To answer your question, yeah, we're going to fly into Warsaw and take uh, the train. So. You, uh, I use a service called Pole Rail. It's a Polish rail. And by the way, anybody listening, if you go to stemcellsmovie.com there's a link, there's a button um, there. I have the link to the train so you can look at the schedules. But, But you have to be patient and wait for when they open up the option to get the non-stop train, which there are stops, but you don't have to transfer trains. That's gonna that's annoying if you've got to transfer like in a foreign land, different trains. Without, not everything's in English, but it's a decent long drive. I mean, it's over a dozen hours uh, by train, but you can get a private sleeper car. So if it's you and a, your spouse or you and your child or even you by yourself, you get a, a single private sleeper car by yourself. Or if you were with a, somebody, you get a double private sleeper car. So you have privacy. You're not just sitting in a seat. But yeah, we're going to get the one-way train there. Um, and then purchase a train ticket back. So, but when we go, we're going to go, yeah, yeah. And here's why, and here's why uh, I thought about driving, but one was like you said, gas, like that could be an issue trying to get more gas, which you, you can, you can talk about that, but also too, like when February 24th hit people that were getting out of there, traffic was gridlock. Um, you couldn't get, you couldn't get out of there if you wanted to. So the only thing that's going to run are trains. Um, that without you know traffic jams so train seems the most logical and frankly all the diplomats like all these guys these american diplomats and all like boris johnson and macron all those people that go in to visit president Zelensky, they're all taking the train so that's how they get there they're, they're not even no, it
1: makes perfect sense because yeah. the border cross border crossing is coming i tried I, I looked at that train schedule and it was locked up for you know because again we had this window of opportunity it was probably like the second of june said hey i'm
0: because sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, up. you, when you went was right also when everybody was flocking back into the country, all the residents. So so you couldn't get a train back in from Warsaw to save your life because everybody was, it was booked up. Everybody was leaving Poland to go back home. So, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I was looking, I was even willing to extend my trip because we were flying home like on call, like the 19th of uh, June and I had the trip that I told you, the aftermath trip after we plugged this in there um, to go to Amsterdam and see this doctor, which I felt I just really didn't expect it happen, but I was willing to say, hey, if you have to pay extra for your plane tickets and push them out by another week or 10 days, then do so to figure a way in there. But I, I kind of opened up the window to try to fly that, that, on that single train that went directly there because the other one took like, I don't know, 36, 48 hours and took you all around. But the direct train was locked up for I think I went about 10 days into the future, and it was just uh, unavailable. And I went, OK, that's not an option. you gotta you got to drive. And then we sort of bluffed it. Like I said, when I got to the border – it is literally I, I mapped it on the way out on the way there i didn't look because it was just so long and i was kind of like intent on just getting there so i didn't look at my surroundings as closely but I, I went directly there and then there was a line like eight miles long when i got out of there but multi-miles long with trucks that looked like they'd parked there for days if not weeks um then you get to another line that was that was everybody's still sitting in the car you could see them all sitting there waiting and you could tell they've been there for hours if not days Mm -hmm. and then like I said I drove all the way around to the front of it because luckily I did get the M cell to to write me a little letter of recommendation that they wrote in both Ukrainian and English saying my son needs some some critical uh, medical care and when I went to the very front they had the the, the military guy with a rifle or whatnot the radio people he put us to the front row and we went all the way up to the front and literally within about an hour or so we got across and into the country and luckily there was a gas station right when i got in there one one kilometer over the border that gave me filled me up with petrol and it was enough to make it all the way into kiev i mean literally i was down to like 50 kilometers left in my gas tank (laughs) but i made it to the intercontinental hotel but all that said if i could ever go back again or when i do already plan if there's such a blessing to go back again during the christmas time yeah, because uh, that's his next six oh, months. Oh, it's
0: December. beautiful. It's cold, of course, but it's gorgeous. Like the two most gorgeous times to go, as far as the city coming alive, is Easter and Christmas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gonna be cold. Get ready for that. But no, because well, it's that, but such a
1: but close, but I'm, I'm, I, that's the only thing I was kind of scared of, but I, if you can get that train ticket ahead of time, golly, yeah, that sure is a safe and easy way into the, the country.
0: That sounds like a great plan. Uh, anyway, all right, so you you check in Intercontinental. I've actually uh, been inside there, but I haven't actually stayed there. You um, usually... Well, as you said, like the, um, you know, the, the you know, the media people, et cetera, uh, stay there. But so, but so you're right in the middle of like, um, you know, like I, I know that because when you watch the news, people that are listening, when you see those churches in the background, what you're, you're seeing it from the Intercontinental Hotel. So you're kind of smack dab in between the two big churches. I think the St. Michael's and yeah, the St. Sophia. Mosque.
1: They got like these little, with the gold domes right out there. If you've ever seen off this little, a lot of the.
0: Yeah, the one to you your, I think the one to your left is St. Michael's, and the one to your right is St. Sophia, if I'm not mistaken. But you're right in between. I mean, it's like the best place. And you're right along the Dnieper River there. It's beautiful. Um, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Well,
1: they've now got that little central square the right in front of the mosque, this, the one that's right directly. I mean, literally uh, about a, a half a block outside the front door of the Intercontinental. They've now got, it's, it's kind of set up like a little uh, kind of a war. You know, they've got the blown-up uh Russian equipment,
0: tanks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: transport stuff that are there, and they kind of you probably maybe see, even seen it on TV, but there's a lot of people that filter through there. And there, there is, I got to be honest, there's a, you know, people are going on about their life rather normal, um, but, you know, you can you sense a, a heaviness,
0: uh, you know, of course. I
1: mean, like, for instance, like McDonald's, I, I, I keep stuff simple for how I feed my son because he eats the, either McDonald's chicken nuggets or, or, uh, Chick Fil A. There's not Chick Fil A's over there, but there are McDonald's,
0: but they're all closed right now. So even the one rides. down at the Maidan, at the bottom in the main Maidan, did you walk? All, in?
1: all McDonald's in Kiev, maybe in all of the Ukraine, are closed.
0: Fascinating. Okay, all right.
1: For some reason, I have no idea. Because I, as I was saying, I use that. I was even I, talking to the people at STEM, so I said, you know, hey, tell me that the McDonald's is open because my son is finicky eater. They were going, <laughs> oh, sorry, it's closed. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, we made it work because they had good chicken nuggets at the Intercontinental. <laughs> okay, good, but, good. Um, but there is a heaviness, like I said. And, and, and even, too, there's sirens that go off. I, I don't know if there's something in the area um, that, that precipitates this. Maybe something that they've got, like, you know, uh, radar things or something going on there. But there were one or two occasions in my little two or three days there where, where they did have the sirens going off, which gave you just sort of an eerie feeling of, like, hey, what's going on? But honestly, it was very safe. There was nothing I, I never felt uh, you know scared or compromised at any time um so so we were it it felt very safe especially there at that intercontinental hotel but really uh, all of Kiev and everybody around there still very very friendly the people that you meet on the street because me and oliver went out every single day just walking the streets and going up and down the town and the traffic of people was way way less than it had been on the three previous uh, trips there but uh but, but other, other than that, it, it seemed like a lot of people were almost life as normal or as best they could.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, that's what I gather as well. And speaking to people there and just looking, uh, I follow a couple of YouTubers that are living there as well. So, like, you know, where the clinic's located, it's definitely outside of downtown um, and, you know, it's sort of southwest of of downtown Kiev. Like when you were at the clinic itself, because it is kind of in a more remote area, did you hear any sirens at that time way out there?
1: No, yeah, no. Okay. Was, you know, they were. There was like a firing range. That, that, to let you know, just kind of something. Because we were sitting there. And oh all yeah. we were there second time like you just heard uh, shots going off. So I was. I asked the people because, uh, you know, we there, there's a nice guy Max, the driver. Yeah. And we have we he's almost like a little son to me now. He's only been there four times, but he's just such a good boy. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, but anyway, he, we asking him, and he's dropping me off and coming off. But uh, but I just heard like shooting going on and it was like, you know, rapid fire and coming and going a little bit. And I said, what the heck's going on? They go, oh, that's a firing range. So I guess they were over there probably practicing firing ranging or something. But no, there was nothing I heard go off or, or anything of the sort.
0: Yeah, I was just curious. Um, that is interesting because I guess they are kind of in more of a remote, remote area, but it makes sense to have a firing range kind of nearby. Um, but luckily the clinic is really located in a nice part of Ukraine where it there hasn't even it hasn't been anything falling from the sky. There hasn't even been any troops on the ground in that area. Um, so it's a kind of a lucky break in that regard of its location. So, yeah.
1: Well, they seem to do well. You we're know, driving over. I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's there's a, I don't know, a weirdness to Cause you know, you, it's almost like your subjective sort of images that you have, you know, you're going into a war a country, there's a war going on, you know, oh my God, you almost have you like that. Your imagination's almost with the, yeah, you know like a dark flavor to it saying hey this is what what could happen and you you there's multiple checkpoints when i was driving across and i'm not saying the train would be stopping thing but and there's nothing bad about it but you just come along you'll be out of the middle of nowhere and then all of a sudden they've got giant concrete posts crossing the road where you've got to like zigzag through it and there's guards there that pretty much look at you pretty closely just to make sure and sometimes they even stop you i mean what, but maybe once or twice but they stopped and kind of looked at me and then you know asked me a question and i said this is my son medical stuff and we went right on through and with no uh, no difficulty whatsoever but they they've got a pretty uh you know uh, intricate network of especially when you start getting to the uh you know say within 20 30 50 miles of Kiev, um where you can just see they set up stuff back and probably haven't changed it never knowing what's going to happen next but just for for travel purposes that people just can't come barreling down the road but without the, the, you know uh without kind of being monitored
0: yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, there are a lot of Russian spies uh, infiltrating the country, and they're trying to weed those people out of there. So it makes sense. I mean, I, it makes perfect sense to me that they would have checkpoints. Not to mention, you've got the president they need to protect. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, Kiev is going to be uh, remain a fortress as long as this goes on. So, yeah.
1: Well, we've got a lot of, you know, like I said, I, I've got my, my imagination runs wild because, you know, in your heart of hearts, you just really want some, I don't know, resolution. For yeah. the country if you will like hey can they would they just somehow to agree to a disagree and then I, I saw stuff on the news this morning i watch a lot of uh, Fareed Zakaria. he's about the only thing i watch on sunday mornings at nine o'clock uh if, you know any other news i don't watch but because he usually has what i call a fairly uh um kind of a broad way of looking at stuff and uh but ba- but basically what was the deal but he he was ta- he, he was talking to kissinger you know what I mean? Yeah. On um, you know, cause Kissinger's ninety nine years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know this, but he's still alive, right? Mm-hmm. But he was back around the, the the you know Watergate days and all this stuff. But that he was asking, "What is your what do you see as a resolution for the Ukraine?" And you know, basically, it's it's sort of like Pandora's box that's been opened. The way he kind of he didn't say it like this, but he kind of said, "You know, before he never envisioned, and I, I think maybe most of the world never envisioned." that Putin would ever cross the line and attack in a wholesale manner a sovereign country and just, uh, you know, basically killing innocent people, you know what I mean, under whatever Soviet ideology he's got, um, Eric. To me, I, I, I never envisioned it when it, you know, until this February date, like you said, when all of a sudden we're waking up one morning and it's happening, I was like, okay, it's a bluff, it's this, they're trying, this like he's a— He's a a brilliant guy, Putin, as I understand, you know, as far as just logic and reason and just the the way he thinks and does stuff. He's he's just a very smart individual, but that he would never cross the line, so to speak. And, uh, you know, when he did this, it's almost like you're in no man's land as far as how to uh, digest and comprehend what, you know, because we've even had, like I said, you've got these in our lifetime, none of us, maybe the older people have what I would call really given credibility towards the potentiality of nuclear war. Right. Yep. It, it was just like the, Hey, the eighties did this. And then we had this like detente and all this stuff. And thing. it just wasn't real. It could never happen in the modern world here in the 21st century. But here we are in like, like a deer in the headlights saying that, Hey, if you do this, or if you open up your airspace, then this can happen. And then, you know, this potentiality of, of of what they call tactical nuclear war or stuff like that is just like very real all of a sudden and you know the whole world I think is is uh, kind of like like a deer in the headlights to you know, go there too many times but you know and there's no returning that was the, one of the little takeaways that today was from uh, Kissinger's little thing I saw for that little Zakaria interview I watched but it was like he goes there's no turning around now after he has attacked and done what he's done and sort of crossed this line so call it like egregiously um, that how do you back out of this? And and the only way he saw it was maybe somehow in the Don boss reason where all this stuff is going on right now, that if they could kind of come into a happy median of just allowing Russia this and then going back to that, that that's probably the only anything within the, with the realm of logic that would, um, the future might hold because there's just the, the box is opened and you know, like I said, you you should see, the, the to me, the pride of the country is something that, you know, because we go out there, we've only been there, call it four times, but each time we usually went there for like a week or 10 days, even took long weekends down to, you know, to Odessa and said, hey, let's just go to the seaside and see this and do a little extra, have some vacation with it or whatnot. And, um, you know, all of the people that to me from 40 and younger were, ukrainian at heart yeah Uh, Um, they were just like hey we're pro ukraine and this is this and they're they're bought into what i call the free enterprise sort of mentality and then some of the older people now that i met that i called them like 50 to 60 I, i i sensed a lot and again Not this on this most recent trip, and I didn't get to spend a lot of time there this time, it was kind of in and out, but in the the previous trips when I was meeting people and having the coffee shop talk with the 50- or the 60-year-old guy and whatnot, I I sensed a whole lot of uh, pro-Russian sentiments yeah they were people talking hey belarus is this and to spoke wonderfully about belarus and wonderfully about russia and putin but i I got to imagine and i'm 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 making this up but but to me where a lot of these people that had these sentiments that were because that's where they came from i mean so you had a heritage of parents and grandparents and stuff like this that probably had you know romantic ties and, and lots of sentimental appreciation for your russian ancestry But I think like ninety nine percent of that is is like the way of the dinosaur now.
0: Oh yeah, no, like Kiev as as a city back centuries ago. Uh, it was sort of like one of the oldest Russian sort of origins, honestly. So yeah. like the origins of Russia, geogra- as far as geography goes, not culturally, but where the location is, is basically Kiev, you know? So, but it was interesting about what you were saying in Kissinger, um, is that, because I, I know the Ukrainians that I know, even before this happened, were extremely anti-Russia. And just like, they're like, I cannot believe we have to live next door to these people. Like, you know, but that's just my experience but what's interesting about people like Kissinger who or anyone that says that Ukraine should just give some of the land to Russia right but there and and then hopefully everybody will just agree but what they're they're assuming they're using logic and reason with a a narcissistic sociopath known as Vladimir Putin so like if you give him the Donbass or give him any portion of Ukraine he will smile and look at you right in the face and say okay great okay yeah sure sure you know everything's back to normal we'll stop there he will not stop there he will just use that as another chest Move to start filing, firing more missiles, and buy himself more time. He's not going to stop. I mean, the local Ukrainians also are like when you. We talk. You talk about this today because it's all over the news. But the locals were like, "This has been going on since 2014." People. He invaded Crimea and took Crimea in 2014, and the Americans and the Europeans just turned a blind eye. And now suddenly they care. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And of course, they he did so by pretending it wasn't Russia, which is another classic Putin move, where he says, "Oh no, no, those were Russian, you know, pro-Russian people." Yeah, but we had no control over those people. And then of course, Putin later admits that he did do it on purpose. Of course, duh. So like. But you think about the dishonesty of this administration in Russia. I mean, they while all the military was on the border, I distinctly remember... Uh, like two days before the bomb started falling with some Russian guy, you know, and, and the government saying, everybody needs to calm down. We're not going to invade Ukraine. This is ridiculous. This is just a military exercise. We're allowed to do whatever we want on our property, blah, blah, you know. And of course, they were lying through their teeth. <laughs> or maybe they didn't even know what was really going to happen because even the soldiers that were going in thought they were a part of an exercise. They didn't even know they were in Ukraine. Anyway, the point is... um, I think until Putin is eliminated entirely, this is a problem. I mean, I kind of see. This is just me. This is my own personal opinion. It doesn't mean I'm right, but I kind of look at the secular natural nature of history. Like you know, every hundred years we got some kind of pandemic pandemic related thing. You know, Spanish flu 100 years ago. Now we got the COVID, right? Well, you know, back almost 100 years ago we had the rise of Hitler, right? You know, which has been a constant throughout history, having these kinds of people. You know, Spain had Franco. You know, this has always been the yeah, thing. It the lady the whole, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we have, uh, you know, allowed this Putin person to rise to become what he is. And he's going to do the same thing. He's trying to do the same thing that everybody before him has tried to do. And so, but now we have nuclear weapons, you know. And I'll, I'll, since I'm on the tangent, you know, I've also... I don't know how you feel about it. It doesn't really matter if we disagree on it. It's just my perspective. I also find it amusing, like some of my American friends that think that somehow this is like America's fault or NATO's fault. Um, and, you know, somehow we were getting too close to Russia. And I will say, well, there's two sides of that coin. One, I, in my opinion, it is America and NATO's fault for allowing this l- lunatic to rise to power. They should have taken this guy out and used the CIA to eliminate this guy ages ago. <laughs> but that's just me. But secondly, no, no, the, you. yeah, more
1: yeah. the there because i mean if you look at the difference mm. this is this is like a weird I, I i don't think that you know a lot of times as, as brilliant and I, I i act like i'm like i like compliment the guy i just truly do believe that once upon a time and maybe still in degree putin was a pretty darn smart guy right he's
0: well, former kgb I, I mean yeah former kgb well, i
1: mean but, well he, it was so strange that uh, in the closing statements or it was like an innuendo but the closing innuendo that kissinger when he closed off today's little uh, interview was that uh that the decision is, uh, you know, in his estimation, would likely not be made by Putin, that it was going to, like, like this is basically his ousting. You know, maybe it's going to take the time to flesh this out because they've got such control of media, but if you looked at the media just in the last call, because like, I pay so much attention to this because it's so, too. Yeah. like, an intimate backdrop to get oh, into yeah. the Ukraine, right? Yeah. You're saying, hey, everything, is, you're, I'm sensitive to even maybe the false narratives and the fake news, stuff in this that's kind of a little highlighted out of kind of sequence with what's really going on. But there was a, because they had just in the last let's call it week that I saw from Putin. It's like here he here he said one thing. He said, Guess what, you haven't seen anything yet. I haven't even started the war. It's gonna be escalated to a point like this. So that was one statement and almost simultaneously that this release that he made in the last call it 48, 72 hours, then he goes like and I'm willing to meet you and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're like, how how do you play both? cards at the same time except if you are like you just said a total i don't know what you want to call it psychotic narcissist like you said there's something fundamentally where i think the guy's off his rocker but that to me with time with all the people pulling out of there you know as far as like this stuff with thousands they, they were even talking about how they're having to pay triple now because there is a lot of like a lot of russian soldiers losing their life you can hide that stuff under a rug for so long, but with modern media, Facebooks, or however they communicate with each other and stuff, you know, there's a lot of parents that have their children not coming home. There's a lot of children and, and all of this stuff. So, given you know these weeks and now months that this stuff drags on, and the more losses that are there, you know, I just got to think that somehow on the, what I call a grassroots way within Russia. That there's going to be a tipping point in it you know that today tomorrow in a few months i don't know but some part of me my heart of hearts trying to believe in this sort of uh the goodness of the world prevailing if you will but is it, that somehow that's the just the the criminal aspects of what putin has done and continues to do
0: um is gonna somehow flesh him out Yeah, you'd like to think so. And I don't want to be a complete pessimist on that. But however, I will say, I mean, if you really pay attention, so you can't even use the word war without spending 15 years in jail. Like, you know, it's so... I I, 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 common sense, again, logic and common sense would say Russia has got to rise up and get rid of this guy, but he, because he's former KGB and he's lived a life of complete paranoia and, and he, cause be, you know, he's, cause he's constantly assassinating people with poison and like, he knows all the tricks. So he is, he has built a sort of a metaphorical and physical fortress around himself to make it really virtually impossible. Um, and, and you know, anybody that hasn't an, even an inkling of, uh, even the, even if it's not even true, he will kill that person and their whole family you know before oh, you, see you know, <laughs>
1: where these oligarchs just disappear into the breeze oh, right all the time they, they haven't even heard of this and then they're gone and you're yeah. like okay and then i'm no, sure none of this media is is uh, the media was very kind of surreptitiously or whatever you want to call it just eliminated from from russia well obviously he he needed to have that uh, that tighter control
0: right yeah i mean but because the way russia works and um, it's, just, it's been like this for so long i mean could take if you are like close to putin and you decide to turn on him. Not only will you suffer, but they will kill your whole family. Like it's like it's like something right out of a mafia movie. I mean, like the the fear of of rising against him is so fierce. Like I think it would have to be something like what we just saw in Sri Lanka. Like it would ha- or even what we America tried to do on January 6th, right? But it would have to be like a big successful one. By the way, I don't agree with yeah, what yeah. happened on January 6th at all. To- it, well, would, it would uh, have to be of magnificent proportions. Like, it would really... Like, people would have to start firebombing the Kremlin itself. I mean, it would have to be, like, really big. But uh, I just don't think... I mean, you're not allowed to protest. You, I mean, you can't do anything. It's it's really, really... Well, part yeah.
1: of you, but part of me agrees with what you're saying there. I, you know, because I have a tendency to be what I call naive. Yeah, I mean, like, I yeah. Guess, you know, There's <laughs> always the, 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 the... I don't know, the uh, cheer for the underdog and all of this type of stuff. But reality suggests that... That he's got such a tight clamp on things, but but you know you you also want to offer yourself some type of a legitimate, you know I don't say closure, but just uh, like an end game that <laughs> that allows for something that's I don't know meaningful for the planet in a way that and and, and, and MCEL, right as a backdrop. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just like saying how where is the longevity and where is the future? How how can we somehow secure it in a way that that allows it to remain vital in this world because it, it is such a unique you know blessing to the planet and it and if it continues like you say it sounds like it's expanded on its protocols and and it's probably like a, like a like an iceberg that if this thing if it could just get more time and and i don't know just on the planet and the ability to kind of get more services out there it would probably be, we'd be amazed at, at what their unique footprint of uh of stem cell um offers to the offers to humanity. Basically.
0: Yeah, no, that's why I keep doing what I'm doing because the thing is, I mean, they've been doing this for 30 years. They started in one room out of a state hospital in the 90s and continue to expand. Like when I first went there for the first God cells, they were in a different building. That building you were in was just completed in November of 2019. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a huge future ahead of them if they could just be left alone. It's just unfortunate um, that they are in the country of Ukraine. It's fortunate in the sense that if it wasn't for that i mean because i don't know if you know the history but the short of it is you know chernobyl happens it was a huge tragedy they used the fetal liver cells and were curing a plastic anemia or bone marrow failure because they couldn't uh find bone marrow uh donors and fast enough or even finding matches fast enough because of the radiation poisoning was in such large scale that they started giving fetal liver cells to patients, the founders of EMSL, by the way, and started curing people of a plastic anemia. And so because the the reasoning behind that is because in the fetal liver at the time of gestation, that is the precursor, the foundation to the body's bone marrow. And so because of that, because of that of its location and this horrible Chernobyl event, they were able to sort of fast track it through the Ukraine Ministry of Health and get it legal on the books, fetal stem cells therapy for, as of, a, of a, a medical necessity. And so that's why it's the only reason why it's legal in Ukraine. Um, wow. Anyway, yeah, it's fascinating. But I, going, mean, I didn't know that bit of history. That's, that's yeah, I, in fact, I in the new movie I, 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 I map this out in detail. In fact, I open up the movie with this uh, to make it really clear of how the origins began. I learned so much from the first movie and all the questions that I got that I, the second one, even though it's a whole different story, I just decided to address these, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I want to have a feeling like there's uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel here with this Putin situation. And I'm not saying I'm the first one to, to root for this, having a, a happy ending. All I'm saying is just really using my brain and just paying attention to what's going on and also intimately studying this and also intimately studying the history of this man. And frankly, the culture itself, I mean, it's a very intense culture in the times of war, I mean, on a side note, like even when Russia liberated Berlin back at the end of World War II, I mean, those Russian troops raped 100,000 German women, you know, like, so the stuff in Bucha should not be a surprise to anybody what happened there. Um, This is sort of like embedded into their who they are. Uh, It's really awful. Same. They did the same thing in Afghanistan. They did the same thing in Syria. It's just they're a really kind of barbaric culture when they're put in that situation. And then you combine that with this madman named Vladimir Putin. I don't know, man. But I will say, when you hear about Putin, you talked about Putin saying this, Putin saying that. And this is just me. Whatever Putin says, I have to, at my deepest bottom of my heart, assume the opposite. So if he says... He threatens with nuclear weapons. I can assume that he will not use a nuclear weapon. Serious. Period. When he says, you haven't seen anything yet, I'm going to assume he's at the end of his rope. When he says, I'm going to sit down and talk, I'm going to assume he's not ready to sit down and talk. (laughs) That's just me because there's not been a single thing. There hasn't been a single thing they've said from the top down. That's been true. Not a single thing. So it's kind of like when you meet somebody or you have a friend, like how trustworthy is this person? You base it on their history with the person, right? And my history with this guy, there's not a single thing that's been trustworthy about this administration of russia to, to believe at all so that's me <laughs> no no I'm, I, I i i resonate <laughs> highly with what you're saying there because it's
1: it, that's sort of like the the characteristics of uh of a lunatic.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) It's just the the opposite, you know? And then, so to me, when you are in desperation, which like I said, I'd like to believe there is, these are desperate ploys and final moments where just your resources are just drying up and things are there. But, but then, then you hear this other stuff, Eric, you know, where they're making, I I saw another little graphical on there where they made more money this year off gas than they made last year in in the quarterly because of stuff going into India and China and whatnot. So you have these, these politics and these monetary mechanisms that sort of are counterintuitive to what
0: you... Yeah. Sanctions. The sanctions have never worked, will never work. The only end to this, honestly, as dark as it sounds, and it's just true, is militarily. The only way. And I was always very anti-military and, like, peace-loving, man. And until the washer thing happened with Ukraine, I've never been so pro-military in my life. It was so unlike my personality um, at all. Um, And I used to complain about, like, why is America spending so much money on the military? I was, come on. And now I get it. I finally finally understand why i wish they would
1: up i wish they yeah me too like i said just go ahead and add another zero yeah me too just say go ahead this really is well you know to me though again another little fundamental like you know I, i don't know like light at the end of the tunnel is this uh you know, Finland and Sweden joining NATO, yeah. right? And then Turkey kind of getting that when Turkey got in the way, I was like, okay, here's Turkey. They're probably in freaking Putin's pocket. So which way is this going to go? Obvious it's not going anywhere, but at least it looks like it's got a ray of light there that if they could sort of yeah. fast track this, this is going to be, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I a really, a really, a, a, as far as global alignments, you know, because people were given NATO almost like a, I don't know. You know, it's just sort of like a paper tiger. Right. Yeah. You know, there's this nothing. It's just all surface. There's not a whole lot of value to it. But if anything has underlined the need for an international kind of a footprint that looks after the world as a team, mm-hmm. um, this this unprecedented terrorism by Putin is uh it's creating this new world order, right? So who knows, I'm I'm, 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 I'm optimistic.
0: It's been such an eye-opener for me. Like I felt like I've been so naive for so long. I used to also, you know, wonder going back to like the military conversation, like why do we spend all this money on the military? Like, are are we really living in a world? And like, why is everybody so anti-Russia all the time? I really, honestly, like, and until now realize, okay, I get it, I understand why NATO was formed, I get it, I understand why there's an article five there, I totally understand, I will stay in the corner and not say another word. (laughs) Seriously, it's like, seriously. Um, but, uh, But yeah, like going back to NATO again with Finland and Sweden, it also proves that this was never about NATO when it comes to Russia invading, and him claiming, Putin claiming, oh, you're pushing NATO too close to our borders, complete nonsense. It was an absolute excuse. It was a smokescreen and it was just complete nonsense because the because if that were true, if he was really concerned about NATO, he would be invading Finland right now. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, come on, 800 miles of NATO border? Are you kidding me? I mean, really? So,
1: which is now imminent. I oh. it's like, if, yeah, if you're, it's... It is... And, and, then, and then already everybody's saying, guess what? We're going to be beefing up everything. Every viable border that NATO has is now, instead of being kind of just sort of complacent, maybe halfway there as something that just gives appearances, you know, there's going to be teeth into the tiger. And you have just created your biggest nightmare. So I, in, in a way, I'm kind of, you know, you smile a little bit, but you, you still, that doesn't mean that there's a little bit of trepidation that just goes with things being so volatile in this world. And then and then had now... Eric, to this, I don't know, called just the economics of the planet, right? After COVID and printing off money on every single country for a couple of years and then inflation and all this stuff, you kind of just like, how does all of this stuff like gel in a...
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. You
1: know, this kind is of scary
0: it's a that. weird thing to say. Like, uh, I read this book not long ago called "The Fourth Turning." Now, this is some kind of like it was a very philosophical book showing like the historical cycles, and it kind of talked about like it was like released in the late '90s, and it was like talking about right about now we should see a new pandemic, and right about now we should see a, something resembling World War III. <laughs> if we if we want to look at the historical cycles of hum, human history dating back centuries, like it was a fascinating sort of analysis. Given, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's not trying to pretend like we should all be so scared of these things because of just some guy in a book wrote it. But it's it was interesting. It's but it kind of piggybacks off of what you're saying. You're right. I mean, we are in interesting times. I mean, COVID hit. the the quantitative easing had to be put into place to keep everything afloat, which just kicked a massive recession down the road. And now we're looking at a recession. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to believe the stock market's going to be cut in half over the next couple of years. Um, You know, it's hard to know. But historically, because I pay a lot of attention to this uh, as well, inflation has to top out. It has to really just be at its worst before things get better again. If you look at every major recession, like there was one in the early 70s. Of course, there was the dot-com boom bubble, excuse me. And then the great depression before that inflation had to just be at its worst peak and then kind of take a turn for anything to look better um historically we don't know what's gonna happen this time but i will say since i'm on this tangent you also add to that bobby something else i pay attention to because i just love disruptive technology which is one of the reasons i love what emcel is doing is we look at how technology is growing at such a rapid pace where artificial intelligence and robotics are kind of replacing a lot of jobs. And frankly, if I were a huge company, I would prefer uh, AI over or a robot over a person any day if you want to be pragmatic about it, right? They don't call in sick, they don't get COVID, they don't need health insurance, they don't need social, you know, all that stuff. But this is a real thing that's happening. If you look at our phone that we're talking on, this thing's a calculator, a flashlight, it's a GPS, it's everything. We don't need to buy any of those things anymore. Like So what I'm saying is we're at this thing that's kind of called technological deflation competing with monetary inflation so we're gonna see universal basic basic income coming in just to keep everything afloat like we're going through we're gonna as long as we are alive another 40 or 50 years we're gonna experience some really interesting things (laughs) you know I'm I'm with you if there's
1: an exponential curve we are right where it's ramping upward heavily
0: right absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah anyway we could, I see you, now, you and I could probably talk for hours. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, well, I'm looking forward to kind of like uh, trying to find a little segue into getting over when you're over, right? So, I mean, kick in the door.
0: If you take the train, cause I looked at the trains. So you go, you land in Warsaw, you get your nonstop train with a sleeper car into Kiev. But unfortunately going back to Warsaw, there aren't the same train options. So, and it's what's what's a less of a, we can, we can get in touch later about this, but what's a shorter trip, and where you have a better train option, as far as the first class, is taking Kiev to Krakow. And Krakow is magnificent. Like, it's one of the oldest cities in Poland. It was spared during World War II. Um, I'm just telling you. If you liked Warsaw, you'll you'll love Krakow. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, I had I ran into a lady that was from Krakow when it was at the intercom. You know, she'd just come there for like a long weekend. Yeah. And she was highly recommending herself, and I was like, oh, okay, this. You know, I, you know, I just know that's where they had a concentration camp. That's about all I know of.
0: Yeah. No, we did that. We actually went to Auschwitz. I mean, it's one of those things like you kind of like have to do it, you know. Um, but uh, they also have these salt mines there where you're in this elevator and you're 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 sunk down. I don't know how far in the middle of the earth, and there's like this miniature city made out of salt underground <laughs> wow, wow i'm not kidding well, <laughs> like there's
1: <laughs> you know europe is such a fascinating yeah sort of uh geography you know and all the history that you're talking about there that just goes back with all this stuff but uh but very cool very cool
0: no but, um, but krakow like warsaw it's similar that it has the incredible culture like incredible restaurants incredible shopping and all that stuff that comes with it but because it's so old um like warsaw's fairly new because most of it was destroyed after world war ii I mean, there's some old parts of Warsaw still, but not like Krakow. Krakow, you've got, like, churches that are built in the 1300s and stuff. Like, it's really incredible. The old cobblestone streets and just, it's magnificent, you know. So...
1: Sweet yeah. sweet. yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Eric. It has been a, a blessing to catch up with you so intimately. Um, if there's anything in the future that needs a little patch or something like that, be, I'm, I'm I'm an open uh book, as far as it's concerned because I'm passionate about this stuff. I'm I'm thankful that we uh, we connected on this. And Me too. Like I said, I, I, I'd like to get you on the radar screen. You're already there, so as far as I'm concerned, on either how one day either while you're over in Europe or something like that, I'll uh, I'll find my way to uh, to a hotel for like a dinner and a uh, hey, and, why not? Uh,
0: yeah, sure, and, sure. And, and
1: also maybe coordinating a trip to, into himself because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it on there. Right now I'm trying to figure out because they gave me a six to nine month window because we made it nine months this past time. And they just kind of put it on the little protocol to me like, hey, uh, you know, see Oliver every six to nine months. And, and like I said, anything that can be done to perpetuate the whatever the sanctity and livelihood and the future of Cell, i uh count me in as a uh, proponent
0: thanks i i that's awesome i mean I'm, and again it's really exciting to to continue to meet new people like you that have gone um and we're you know and had good results from it particularly since how considering how rare your son's disease is well it's been a pleasure bobby seriously it's been a really great time uh getting to know you a little bit so
1: my too my too and i look forward to meeting you in person man
0: awesome likewise talk to you soon take, take care you too bye-bye bye that was episode 17. If you really want to stay up to date on what I'm doing, go to stemcellsmovie.com. That's stemcellsmovie.com. And uh, you can always email me at eric ericmerola.com. That's E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A. Bobby and everybody else who has uh, been on my podcast, um, you know, it's because they reached out to me. And they told me about what they're doing, either after they went for therapy or before they went for therapy. So go to stemcellsmovie.com and uh, sign up to the mailing list if you want, um, or shoot me an email. I always enjoy talking to people that have questions about this therapy. Episode 18 might be a sort of audio podcast of our journey to Ukraine. Um, Me and my co producer and wife, and some patients from my new documentary, will be flying into Warsaw, taking the train into Ukraine, receiving therapy, and exiting Ukraine. I will most likely put together a video, a short film about the entire journey as well. I haven't decided if the episode 18 will be a video podcast or if I'll do a separate audio podcast. With our journey as a supplement to the video short film, not sure, but either way, if you want to be one of the first to find out uh, and be notified that this is released, sign up to the mailing list at stemcellsmovie.com or ericmarola.com. They both, both mailing lists go to the same database. Until next time. Thank you.